This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Cog Hill Golf and Country Club. I am so excited to partner with them once again in 2022 because they've got a lot of great stuff going on, including an entirely redesigned and renovated driving range and practice area. It's got Top Tracer. It's got, what, like 42 heated bays, individually heated, by the way. And it's even got a food truck and much, much more, such as two bars. Yeah, that's right. Go out to CogHillGolf.com today to learn a little bit more. And, of course, you already know about all their great golf courses. CogHillGolf.com. We're also pleased to continue to work with our friends at WorldwideGolfShops.com. You've heard me talk about them many times before. They've got everything you need for golf. They've got apparel, accessories, training aids, all the new equipment. They've got deals like every single day. And going out to WorldwideGolfShops.com might just help you improve your game this golf season. WorldwideGolfShops.com. Welcome to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for all things golf, including in-depth interviews, new equipment highlights, and answers to golf questions you might be too afraid to ask. My goal? To help you learn more about the game so you can enjoy it even more. Let's dive in. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the show, and hello to everyone on YouTube. Uh, this is the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I'm Adam. This is my guest today, John Sherman. John, welcome back to the show. It's been a while since you've been on. Yeah, what's up, Adam? Thanks for having me on. It's been uh, probably several years at this point, but always good to be back on. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. And John and I have uh, connected over the years on social on a number of different things. And he is here today to talk about his fantastic new book, The Four Foundations of Golf, How to Build a Game that lasts a lifetime. He's prepared with that manual. It's basically a manual. <laughs> I mean, look how, yeah, look at this thing. <laughs> so, Crazy. as I understand it, John. This is the culmination of many years, as you go into in the intro of the book, many years of your relationship with the game, your your failures within the game, your triumphs within the game. Is that a pretty fair description? Yeah, I think uh, I've been playing this game since I, I think I was 11 when I took it up. I'm almost 39, so it's been an interesting journey. I think the first 15 years were a bit rocky for me, uh, some some highs, some lows, uh, like many other golfers, I know the struggle. Um, not that I all have it all figured out now, but I, uh, you know, when I started practical golf in 2015, I, I just felt that, you know, as golfers, we believe improvement is usually the swing, and that's generally the, the the hamster wheel. A lot of us are caught on. We're going from swing tip to swing tip, and I don't want to discount the importance of the golf swing. It's very important. Mm -hmm. But I felt that other topics were not being explored and I can kind of jump in from a, a player's perspective. I can coach people from a player's perspective on topics that I felt were just as important for scoring and enjoyment. Um, so I've, I've been writing articles for years on practical golf and this book is essentially a culmination of that. There, there's certainly far more in it than I've done on the website. I've organized it. I've learned from some of the top coaches in the game um, so there's my own experiences, what I've learned, just observing other players, just really, I've spent a long time understanding or trying to understand what are all of our problems and, and give reasonable solutions to those. Mm -hmm. 
and you had mentioned that this isn't a book specifically on how to swing the golf club better. No, <laughs> it's it's not that it's and as you mentioned and you've said in the book as well, it is really a self coaching. You're, you're coaching people to coach themselves. Is, would that be fair? Yes. Yeah, I think the, the main thesis or tagline of the book is that swing tips come and go, but foundational golf skills last forever. Mm. And I think this is a scenario where it's the teach a man or woman to fish and they eat for a lifetime, if I'm mm -hmm. paraphrasing that properly. So I, I'm trying to give people foundational skills, a framework that they could use um, for, and the four foundations are expectation management, strategy, practicing effectively, and the mental game. So in each of those sections of the book, and I try and make this applicable to golfers of all levels, ages, whatever, I think anyone can get something out of this book. Um, I'm trying to give you or point you in the right direction efficiently. I believe that that's what coaching is. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of up to you. I'm going to give you the framework. I'm going to give you the blueprint. And then you could take, I, don't, I, I put this in the introduction. I don't expect people to take everything out of this book. I think two or three concepts could change your golf game. Um, get those, those seeds, plant them, water them, and hopefully they, they grow into something much bigger in your golf game. So let's talk about the initial reception of this book. And I know that it blew you away. And right now, and I'm trying to go on Amazon right now, I believe it's still the number one book in golf on Amazon. Yeah, it, it came out pretty hot on when uh, this is, you know, we're recording this on Friday. It's mm -hmm. been a wild 48 hours. I'm a, I'm a little fried right now. <laughs> That's why you can see my hair is a little crazy. Up That's here. all right. Um, yeah, I, I, I've been working on this for three years. I woke up Wednesday morning saying like, okay, this is the day I'm going to kind of start announcing it to people who follow me. And of course I was nervous and apprehensive, just, you know, wondering how it would be received. You know, I've, I've worked on this for a long time and you know, this Adam yeah. writing is a super lonely endeavor. It's driven many people insane over the last century, many centuries. Sure. And it almost drove me insane too. Um, so I've been working on this thing for a long time and I, and I released it to the world. And yeah, fortunately, I got a lot of support from people who've been reading my articles and listening to the podcast over the years. And it just kind of exploded it. It went past the Phil book, which has been all over the news media. It was outselling that. I think it, at one point I, I tweeted this out, perhaps obnoxiously, that it was the 200th yeah. best-selling book on the entire Amazon website. And I think it's since declined since then, but the initial just rush of people buying it was really nice to see. And I got a lot of really kind messages from people. So um, yeah, it, it, it's, you know, we'll see how it's received. I hope people like it, but the initial response has kind of genuinely blown me away. And right now it's actually number one in sports psychology, which is yeah, interesting. Um, I'm in all these categories, coaching, all this stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Amazon, I don't know what they do, but they're pushing the book all around. And, and that's great. <laughs> that's why you're on Amazon. You wanted to introduce the people who you've never heard of you before. So yeah, it, it's off to a nice start. And you know, the, the thing that I, and I put this in the introduction, if someone gives me their money for a product, I feel an immense obligation to provide them value. Mm. And this is not a short book. I don't expect you to read it overnight. It's a long book. I want it to be people with people for years. 
and refer back to it. So I, I, I've done my best to inject as much value into the book as possible because, um, you know, if you do purchase it and you read it, I, I really want you to get something significant out of it. And so this is a book, if you buy it in paperback or hardcover, you want, if I would assume, you would want people to go in, airmark it, highlight it. This is something that you want people to dig into literally. Yeah, I think... So I also talk about this in the beginning of the book, and this is really kind of a cornerstone of expectation management in golf. It's super easy to consume information about golf and then get tricked into believing that now it's part of your game. Mm -hmm. You know what this feels like. I know what this feels like. And everyone listening knows what that feels like. I do my best to give my knowledge, what I've accrued over the years in an easy to digest format, but I don't want people to fall into the trap. Well, just because you see it and you read it and you understand it, well, now it's part of your game. Right. I want to be honest with people. That's the first step. So that they, you know, acquiring the knowledge is the first step. Um, so for example, if you read the section on strategy, it's fairly straightforward. Um, I, I don't believe it's that complicated. I'm going to give you tangible advice on how to pick targets off the tee with your approach play. Even with wedges and putting, there's some stuff in there. I don't believe it's complicated, but at the same time, you're now going to need to go on the golf course with the discipline uh, to stick with that plan. And that's going to be hard because you're going to hit bad shots. It doesn't guarantee you anything, but I, I, I truly believe if you stick with the framework and have the discipline on the course, your scores will drop, but that's, that's, that's the hardest thing to do. It's not understanding it. It's doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause this game plays tricks on us. I was playing the other day in a tournament and things did not go that well for me. And, and as much as I try and listen to my own advice, um, you know, there's moments where I struggle with it too, because I, I'm, I'm just as human as everyone else. So yeah, I, I do want to be honest with that about people in the book is like, that's why, you know, getting back to your question. Yes. I, I love for you to refer back to it over the years, you know, your first go through, you're going to absorb a lot. Um, and then I want you to kind of hone in on the stuff that feels the most relevant to you in the book. And I don't want to bring up any old wounds, but in the book, you describe an embarrassing moment. Uh, regarding when you express some anger on the golf course. <laughs> a, a little more than just right. anger. And uh, maybe talk about how that experience, because you do so well eloquently within the book, but how did that experience prompt you to say, you know what, I need to change something about my mindset to really enjoy this game more? Yeah, and I think genuinely, aside from the stuff I'm practicing and and strategy and, and and mental game on the course I, I i started the book off with the expectation management because i believe that's the biggest problem to solve if you can't get that right nothing else works mm. and i do very early on reveal this embarrassing story i was in my i must have been 24 25 26 somewhere around that age i wasn't playing much golf um but at the same time i had this horrible habit where i thought i was still entitled to the scores i used to shoot in high school when i was a decent player mm. And I would go out on the course with this make or break proposition that if if I don't sh get this score, this day is a failure. And even worse, and I know people can identify with this, is that when it seemed like that score was out of hand early on, well, then I'm just the, quite honestly, I was a jerk. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't very pleasant to be around. I lost my temper. I cursed at myself, um, you know. 
not a very pleasant guy to be around on the golf course when I wasn't playing well. So in this instance, I was playing with my dad and it was just not a great day. We were on, we were in Florida playing together. My dad was really just taking up the game at that point, <laughs> um, which was kind of a bizarre scenario for a father and son, but that's the way it went with us. Um, and I got to the 13th or 14th hole. I had hit a good tee shot and there was a water hazard to the right. And I thought to myself, don't hit it there. I did. And I, something in my brain exploded to be quite honest with you. I, I launched a club at the golf cart. It, it neatly severed the driver head and it just kind of in slow motion was like flipping end over end in the air. Mm. And it was like a trick shot almost. It perfectly impaled itself in the fairway. So me and my dad both look at each other and immediately I'm obviously just horrified. Right, right. And he just walks off the course. He doesn't say a thing. Mm. Um, and they're really having, you know, I'm, I'm very close with my father. There haven't been many moments in our relationship like that, um, if ever. Mm. And I knew that at that point, something had to change dramatically. And, and really, I didn't have an opportunity to play much. So my decision at that point was, I'm just going to enjoy this. And eventually, when I got older and you know moved back out of New York City into the suburbs and kind of got my game back, um, then I could increase my expectations because I was putting the work in. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is a formula that I talk about in the book, the formula to golf happiness is like, what are you going to put in and what can you expect to get out of it? Um, and I really want to share that story early as embarrassing it is as it is, because, um, if you don't get that part of the game, right, you're never going to have fun and you're not going to get better. Totally agree with you and can relate to many uh, <laughs> of the things and components of that story. It, you know, I think it's interesting because when we think about this game and I use the word game purposefully because it is a game, we're supposed to enjoy it. We're supposed to have fun. You know that very well. Yeah. And you described that earlier. It's a matter of. I'm an 85 ish golfer. I've been much lower in my playing career, I've played for over 26 years. I've been much higher, of course, than 85. But I know, and I make the joke to my friends, that, you know what, you could just write 85 on the card right now. <laughs> I'm going to shoot that. Is that a, an example of the expectations that you're describing? Like, I know what I'm capable of doing and most likely will do. And then anything that is better than that is almost icing on the cake. Is that kind of what you're talking about a little bit? So that there's two elements of that. Um, I think being at peace with the type of player you are is very important. Um, and I, I do talk about this in the book. You know, maybe maybe you don't want to get better. And, and I say there's the time element. If you can only play once or twice a month, I, I don't know if you can reasonably expect to make some massive stride, strides in your game with that amount of time. Right. Um, unless you're, you know, I've seen some really athletic freaks who are capable of it. I'm not. Mm -mm. Um, and most aren't, I need to play a lot to get better. So I think there's two sides to that coin, you know, being a piece and going out there, focusing on enjoyment first is everything in my opinion, because this is a leisurely activity. It's a game and we're not playing it for a living. So I always want to prioritize that. The only caveat to that is I wouldn't sell yourself short either. Um, one of the things that I really try and hone in on the mental part of the book. And again, I'm not a sports psychologist, but I come at it from a player's perspective. I know, I do know what it takes to play at a high level and I know what it takes to, you know, be a 90 shooter as well. Mm -hmm. 
I would prefer people to go out there with neutral expectations, meaning I'm not going out there thinking I'm going to play great. I'm not going to go out there thinking I'm playing like crap. Mm -hmm. I try and go out there. I'm going to have fun. And most importantly, I have a process on the course that I stick to. I have a framework for picking targets. I have a framework for my routine. I have a framework for dealing with my nerves and pressure. And I use that throughout the round and I accept the results and I move on. But more importantly, at the same time, and I hope this isn't a little too out there for people, I'm being mindful of the experience. Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying time with my playing partners, whether I'm playing in a tournament, I'm going to play on Monday in in the biggest amateur tournament around here that I got into this year. Mm. I'm not going out there trying to light it up. I'm going to, I'm going to go do what I know how to do. I'll probably strike up conversation with my playing partners and have fun with them, whether that's a recreational round or, or competitive round. And I'm going to try and accept the results either way, but I'm going to genuinely try and savor the experience because it's going to be special for me. Mm-hmm. And every round of golf is a gift. It really is. I talk about gratitude as well. So I think there's multiple ways to approach it, but I I prefer in terms of scoring expectations to go in neutral. I'm a big proponent of habits. Um, So I go in there saying I'm going to follow these habits and my score, I believe those will give me a better chance at scoring, but they're not a guarantee. Um, So that's, that's genuinely my angle, my recipe for enjoyment and playing better is that you, you don't expect anything great or bad. And then you have these lists of habits that I'm going to hopefully educate you about in the book that you can stick to. And I hope that helps you have a better time. And I think it'll help with your scores a little bit too. I'm not going to change you from a 85 shooter to shooting 68s overnight, but I could chip away at it for you and help you with that. that, that I'm looking to optimize things for people, so to speak. And I think for many golfers, certainly speaking for myself, that's that's what we really need is just an idea of how we can help ourselves in the moment. And so I wonder, John, uh, your take on when you're in the moment, you're following the habits, and then things aren't going the way you want them to. And it's so tempting to just say, you know what, this is I'm not doing this anymore. But you have, it's almost like you have to force yourself to stick with it and accept if I'm understanding you correctly, accept what comes no matter what. Yeah, I think there's, you know, I talk about grit in the book and grit often gets associated with like a negative frame of mind, like you're white knuckling mm-hmm. it. That That's not what grit is. Grit is a commitment to a larger goal. Um, and those goals can be different. So if your goal is to just have fun and, and have fun with your buddies and, and do that, you know, I, I, believe me, I, and I know how frustrating it is to hit a drive out of bounds. I, I I was in a tournament on Monday, and to be quite honest, I, I think I was so nervous about the book that I just wasn't there. Mm. And I hit a few shots for me <laughs> that were just out of nowhere bad. I didn't lose my temper. I tried not to lose my temper. I got a little upset at myself, but I just moved on to the next shot, and I had to suck it up. Mm. Because I know at this point, if I go to the old John, which tosses the club starts cursing at myself, negative self-talk. I did the opposite. I I just kind of slowed my breathing down. I kept telling myself, you can come back from this. And even towards the end of the round where I didn't come back from it, I was okay with that too. Mm -hmm. And that was hard. Those moments are very difficult. Um, And I think that's the part of the game that is 
quite possibly the hardest thing to accept is those days where it's just not going well. And there are opportunities to save strokes. There really are. Um, and they make your bad days not as bad. But the, yeah, what you said is just being able to dig a little bit deeper. And again, if you're just going out with your buddies on the weekend playing for $5 Nassau, I mean, the, honestly, the best thing to do is just remind yourself, this is not that big of a deal. Right. This is just a silly game that a bunch of Scots invented in a field a couple hundred years ago. And you have to take a big step back and realize that and say, I'm not going to let this ruin my day. I'm outside with my friends. I'm away from this technology that zaps our attention. And just being grateful for that experience. I, I truly believe that's one of the ways to get through it is just get out of that mindset when you can and just be like, hey, this, this is not that big of a deal. I'm going to be okay no matter what. So not to belabor this point, but I do think it's so important because when I speak to my friends about this, and we've even had other uh, guests on the show talking about this expectation setting, when you think of it from that golfer's perspective who only plays once or twice a month, they're almost like, I've spent close to $100 if you get a cart on a nice course. yeah, I'm going to be out here. I'm expecting to get the best value for my money. And when that's not happening, you get angry or, or a golfer may get angry and say, wow, I can't believe I I'm out here for four or five hours. I spent this much money. Uh, there all these thoughts, whether they're aware of it or not come rushing in, at least they do for me. But then it's a matter of training yourself. Like you're explaining to say, look, it, none of that matters. I'm here with people I care about. Hopefully, I'm out yeah. in a nice course, a nice park, essentially. You know, it's yeah. it's that that element of it, if I if I understand correctly. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And you know, it's not an apples to apples comparison, but what else would you do in life? Right. <laughs> Where you say you're gonna pay a hundred bucks and take four or five hours of your time, and then there's potential for that that experience to be a disaster. Right. Would you go to a concert like that? And you're like, oh, they didn't play. I mean, again, there's some performance here where like, let's say you go to a concert, like, you know what's coming. Mm -hmm. The band's going to perform the way they should. So this isn't a true apples to apples. But I still think, yeah, you need to take a step back and be like, well, what am I doing here? And uh, it's one of the first chapters of the book, literally the first chapter. Why are you playing this game? Mm -hmm. Right. And that's a. I think that question gets answered differently for each player. Um. I play the game because I like to test myself. I like to see how, how how good I can get, and I love to compete in tournaments. For other people, that might be a horrible idea. That could ruin your enjoyment of the game. Um, it might just be... I, I'll tell people, like, you can go out there and don't even keep score if you want mm-hmm. to. There's no rule against that. Maybe my book's not for you then, if you, but quite honestly, if you get to play once six six seven times a year i I tell people i I wouldn't even keep score Mm -hmm. just go out there and have fun you know if you you screw up pick up the ball and go on the next hole you want to have a couple of beers go for it right uh nothing wrong with that that that's you're entitled to that for your 50 or 100 bucks that you spent for that experience um so yeah you you have to think long and hard what you want out of it um and it it is uh a relative game for a number of reasons and, and we all should get something different out of it. Do you think that because how enveloping golf is, you can go and play your brands that you like, you can go and buy all the accessories you want, get the cool head covers, get that, you know, 
$800 driver and all, all of this element. It's almost like this ecosystem of individuality in my mind. Yep. Do you think that contributes to, do you think that helps the game? Does it make it harder for golfers? Where, what's your take? Yeah, it could go both directions, mm. but I think one of the cool things about golf and and you're well aware of this because you've, you've just been so plugged into the community online for years is that there's all these different, um, micro communities or micro interests within the game mm-hmm. if you want to be a gearhead and obsess over what shaft you're playing and talk about that on the forums and with your buddies go for it like that's awesome like people you know that i think that's what makes golf such a cool game because there are all these different elements you you have the architecture element of it if you want to be a history buff and learn about you know why courses look the way they do throughout history and you could travel and visit all these courses and again connect with similarly minded people online that's awesome and a lot i've connected and i enjoy it too and a lot of those players don't play the game to get better they get they play the game to experience the courses and and walk on that ground that that they know is historical Mm -hmm. i think that's cool too um you know, there's the professional element of the game where we are you know, wanting to know what the pros are doing. I, I warn against that in the book. I call it the PGA Tour fallacy mm-hmm. just for expectation management. But, you know, there's another element to the game there. So there's all these little communities and that's what makes this game so special. And I'm all for it. My, my community, my obsession is what can I do to be the most efficient golfer possible? Mm. I don't have, you know, technique wise, my swing, you know, if you showed my swing to 10 or 15 different instructors, there's no chance they would all be able to guess my handicap. Mm -hmm, Right. But what I do have is I I think I've I've figured out how to score and that's what I'm sharing with people. Um, That's what I like. That's what I get passionate about. I'll nerd out over. I'm about to release this whole thing on Twitter about gear effect. Oh, wow. <laughs> the physics of it. That's fun to me. I enjoy it. And it, and when people see it, they're like, wow, I never knew that. I never knew that if I struck it on the heel of my driver, that's why it's going left to right, right. not necessarily because of my swing path. Um, that's the community I, I, I like to be a part of. Um, and I realize that might be boring to some people, and that's totally cool. That's why this game is so awesome. There's so many elements to it, and you know, the threads that John, uh, posts on Twitter are extremely helpful. And it's, it's an element on social media that not enough people do. And maybe it's just the people I'm following, John. I don't know. I mean, I like what you do. Um, thank you. Well, thank you for saying that. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, it's just, again, there's, I think I've, I've accrued some knowledge and I'm happy to share mm-hmm. it with people because I know it can make them happier in this game. Um, and I'm just trying to come at it with my own unique communication perspective. I don't think I offer anything revolutionary. I just think I've consumed a lot, I've experienced a lot, and I'm trying to connect the dots for people. And I think that's really what coaching is. It's, it's communication and it's getting buy-in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my own style. Some people love it and others are like, hey, that's not for me. Totally fine. There's just so many ways to do it in this game. Once again, listeners, we're talking to John Sherman of practicalgolf.com. Uh, he is the author of a great new book. It's a bestseller already. The Four Foundations of Golf, How to Build a Game That Lasts a Lifetime. You can find it on Amazon right now. It's available in every uh, hardcover, paperback. I've got it on Kindle because, you know, I'm attached to my devices, John. Um, 
what uh, it's a big book you've written a lot you've shared a lot what was the most fun part about writing the book the most fun and easiest parts for me were the expectation management and the mental sections mm. and i purposefully put that in the beginning and the end because i wanted to gently bring you in and i wanted to gently bring you out mm. um the strategy and practice session sections, which I, I knew exactly what I wanted to write, or at least what I wanted to get out, but organizing them and then deciding what I was going to put in and leave out just because, you know, somebody who's trying to coach people of all levels, I have to make decisions on how I communicate certain topics. Mm-hmm. And yes, you know, something to a 25 handicap to a scratch player, there might be some different decisions you have to make but i try and make everything universal and i believe that was particularly difficult to do in the strategy and practice sessions that that took me i mean months Mm. to get through some of those chapters and i really to be quite honest with you i was waking up in the morning and trying to write and there were just certain chapters that i dreaded having to conquer um I think I did a good job. We'll, we'll see what other people say, but I put a lot of time and effort into making sure I would reveal things in a way that was building to something much bigger towards the end of each section. Um, so yeah, I think as you get to the middle 60% of the book, mm-hmm. that's the more meat and potatoes, like, okay, we're going to get into some topics very deeply here. Um, and and again, my, my hope is to explain these things simply to people. But yeah, that that was... That was really challenging, the middle two sections for sure. So once again, listeners, it's the four foundations of golf, how to build a game that lasts a lifetime. Go out to Amazon.com. You'll find it, buy it. It's a great book. I'm still reading through and I'm going to probably reread it many times uh, as I continue to enjoy this game. And John, where can listeners, viewers on YouTube find more of Practical Golf? Um, so you can check out my site, practical-golf.com. Uh, I think there's over 400 articles at this point. Unfortunately, I did have a bit of a year and a half hiatus as I was writing this book, so I wasn't producing new posts, which you were busy. is what it is. <laughs> I was busy, uh, but there's plenty of stuff on there if you want to just take a look at what my philosophy is. Uh, so practical-golf.com. I have a podcast that I co-host with Adam Young, who's an instructor who I have a very similar philosophy to. It's called The Sweet Spot. Um we go, <laughs> we're doing a 30 minute episode here. That's like, that's, that's just like getting out of bed. For <laughs> we go like, <laughs> we, we, we can't, we literally can't talk about a topic in under an hour and a half. So we definitely nerd out on a lot of game improvement topics on our, on our podcast called the sweet spots. So you can find me there, uh, Twitter and at practical golf. You can, uh, always, I love talking with people on there. It's been fun. Um, sharing my threads, trying to teach people stuff on there. And I truly hope you do buy the book and tell your buddies uh, the four foundations of golf. I've literally put everything I've I've had into this book. It's been a three year endeavor. Um, I feel like I just had another child. <laughs> so I appreciate if you take a look, and I I, I feel very hopeful that you're going to get something significant out of it. So that that's where you can find all of my stuff. All right, John. Well, we'll have you back on the show much sooner. We won't have multiple years between episodes let's let's promise to do that so uh thank well i appreciate you having me back on out